Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. You don't have to be high or a cartoon obscenity nerd to appreciate the Grolics, but you did have to be a mile high to get to Denver to join the group, which in the early 2000s helped build a good comedy town into a vibrant comedy scene. Adam Caton Holland, Andrew Orvdahl, and Ben Roy formed the Grolics as a live showcase, eventually making a web series, and now a TV show, Those Who Can't, which debuts in early 2016 on True TV. I sat down with the fellows as they prepared to sneak a peek at their new show during the New York Television Festival, and I had them divulge their origin story. So let's get to it. So, fellas, uh, Andrew, Adam, Ben, thank yeah. you for joining me here yes, on Last Things thanks First. For having, thanks for having us. So, Last Things First, I know that. Uh, Adam and Andrew, you guys are both from Denver, or grew up in Denver. Exactly. So Ben, what's your excuse? What do you mean? You're from Maine, how did you end up in Denver in the first place? Just playing in bands, uh, guitars for a band I was in moved there. and you Drifted uh, in like a tumbleweed? Yeah, I uh, no, just a, a friend of mine had gone to Boulder to visit somebody from the town in Maine that I had, like he, that I grew up around, this kid went to visit, and then my guitarist, this band I was in went and he called and he was like I'm never coming back <laughs> he didn't come and get his stuff he had his his mom ship his shit out so and I was like well I want to go so I went out and I fell in love with it and uh, I never really left what year was that that was 99 99 okay I drove, I drove across in a geostorm with 80 dollars <laughs> geostorm hatchback just like the just like the pioneers did <laughs> it's basically a modern day modern day except Oregon i trail. already had the smallpox before in the dysentery. <laughs> but uh but yeah so and then i just stayed okay and then i i don't know i met you guys probably 10 years ago 2003 yeah oh wow Four. Four, so eleven years ago, I met, I met them. So, I had been out there for a little while, but. But you were doing music. You had, weren't doing comedy yet. No, I was still playing in bands. And then my wife got a job at Comedy Works, and I started doing stand-up. And then I didn't like Andrew. I thought Andrew was arrogant, <laughs> and I didn't like him at first. And then I met Adam sitting at a bar. Who is arrogant? So it's funny how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Arrogant Adam, yes. It's an appropriate answer yeah, for you. Yeah. But I met Adam sitting at a bar, like just to completely random. Like he wasn't doing stand up. I we were both drinking side by side at the red room. Yeah. And uh I was writing in a book and he saw it and he was writing at the time. He was an actual writer. And I was like, I'm a stand up comic. <laughs> Which was amazing because I'd only been doing it about five months. What, what was the what was the comedy scene in Denver like around two thousand three? It was an exciting time. There was like this. Uh, Denver already had like this amazing roster of like veterans, and it had the comedy works. And then there was like this weird quarterback class of like oh three oh four, or there was just a surge of like really great comics who popped up. Um, Last three. Ben Cromberg. Josh Blue was in that Greg group. Greg Howard. Yeah, just a bunch of 
really funny people. So much so that we would get profiled by like the local newspaper. It wasn't like even in our imagination. It was like people were like, hey, there's all these like good new young comedians. And that was shortly around the time when comics started producing their own shows. I think before that point, it was like open mics and then the club. Right. And that was right about uh, when when the comedy culture changed to comics hosting their own shows. And so we were yeah. there for the birth of that in Denver. Totally. I think we all started comedy right around coinciding with the national trend of just the rise of the alt movement. And, and we were just kind of the Denver face of that. Yeah. So whose idea was Los Comicos Super Hilariosos? That was my idea. Um, he speaks Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> I speak Spanish. Somebody called me like, hey, we want to do a show. My friend Nicole Simpson wanted to do a show at this bar. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And was, she's like, it's next week. And she's like, what do you want to call it? And that just, I was like, Los Comicos Super Hilariosos. And that's what it became. And then we moved, I, I recruited Andrew pretty early on to, to help with that. And then we moved that to another venue that was in an art gallery mm -hmm. kind of warehouse space. And then uh, joined in at that point with, along with some other comedians and it really exploded. It became the, the hot monthly show, just cool comedians coming in from out of town, dropping in and, you God, know. we had so many. I mean, at that time, like Tig Notaro yeah, did it, Arge Barker, Moshe did it, Kyle, and we were pretty young. Now we're like kind of friends with all these people, but mm -hmm. it was it was very much the point, like, oh my God, this person's gonna do our show, and it was great. It was really a, a popular kind of phenomenon. We used to hijack the comics from Comedy Works, so they would have a show, like they would do two shows on a Friday night, and we would drive down in between their first and second show and pick them up at the back door and drive them across town to our show. And then race them back. <laughs> I was going to say, there's, there's only the MC and the feature it in is. between. Well, there'd be like a, four, a 30 to 45 minute window between When shows, they're cleaning, cleaning, the, the yeah, cleaning the house. But we, it was a miracle we didn't get fucked. Because like, if, if there had been a, tra a traffic jam or something, but we always got them back in time for their set. Arge Barker didn't want to leave. I remember that. That he, was the hard thing. That, he didn't want to go. He yeah, was like, I don't want to go back. They did our show, and they're like, well, this is rules. Like, I don't want to go back to the comedy club. <laughs> to do a second show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was always... Too. Yeah, the worst. It, it was at the point where we didn't know them that well either, so you had to be that, that polite, like, okay, you really need to get in the car and come right now, sir. Like, <laughs> Arge is chatting up some ladies. Yeah. and like, I, I don't want to go, though. Yeah, but we're gonna. We're gonna, we're gonna not be able to work the club. I was for gonna weeks. say. Yeah. I was gonna say one. It's not like you're offering them a door deal. Yeah. For your no, show. Nothing. Were you paying them at all? Uh, it would be like I mean, twenty bucks. Maybe. Yeah, twenty or something. If they managed to get back to us yeah. after that second show. But Wendy but, Curtis, yeah. to her credit at Comedy Works, was always like really cool. I mean, I don't think she knew the exact like nitty gritty like that, but she was never. A lot of clubs are very competitive and like, if you perform at my club, you can't perform within 100 miles on these dates and she never cared about it. But we were that. also always respectful to not advertise those people so it didn't compete. Yeah, didn't right. want, it'd be like a secret guest. We'd be like, there's a secret guest and of course our loyal fans would generally know exactly who it was. All you have to do is look at the comedy work right. schedule. Right. But <laughs> that way it wasn't like we weren't headhunting her audience in that way of people just being like, oh, well, I won't go see this person at Comedy Works. The goal was for people to see them at Comedy Works and also happen to catch them at our show, for sure. That's, that's what a lot of the bar shows today in New York do. Yeah. If there's a headliner at one of the clubs. Yeah, you try to poach them you, for a Yeah, you try to poach them for a Monday night or a Tuesday yeah. night. It's not, it's not rocket science. In town, and then <laughs> yeah. just 
if you don't publicize it, you're not going to get yeah. in trouble. Surprise it, guests. It wasn't until we moved out of the Orange Cat and into the Bug Theater that we picked up sponsorship with a local burrito chain called Illegal Pete's Burritos. And at that point, we were able to start flying in our own guests. We were making enough at the door and with their sponsorship to pay comics to come out, put them up, and to do our show, which changed it a lot for yeah. us. Like yeah, that was, that was the Grolix. Yeah, then it yeah. wasn't then it wasn't right. special guests, any secret guests anymore. Then it was like our exclusive guests. Yeah. But you had said, that, Adam, that you recruited Andrew um, originally. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it about the dynamic between the two of you that you thought... Well, you know, as Ben was saying, we all sort of hovered around Comedy Works in like two open mics, the Lion's Lair and the Squire. And just like any scene, you just like find the guys that you think are funny. And so I always thought he was funny from day one. And then fortunately, he found me funny as I started to like, you know, learn how to do stand up a little bit more. And so we just started doing shows anyway, kind of one offs with, you know, you'd get like five of your friends and just convince a bar to let you perform there. Um, So then when I was doing Los Comicos, I was just like, I liked, I wanted to do like a weekend update type thing, so I, I pulled Andrew in. Yeah, we would. I still remember there'd be like literally five people in this bar. There were some Adam terrible I, early shows. Yeah, and we, we would run into the bathroom and change into suits and have like a news desk and there was like a theme song that my at the time girlfriend wrote for us. It was the most overblown production. Oh, yeah. for props. Literally scripts. like five, maybe six people like just <laughs> sitting out there. Yeah. Uh, and I remember just changing into a suit like, is this actually necessary? <laughs> <laughs> but as a spectator, because I only went to those early ones as somebody that was watching, they were really awesome because uh, you guys still put on the show that would, regardless of whether or not there were five that night or there were 50 people in the bar that night, because it did fluctuate. You had some really good crowds a lot sure. of sometimes, and sometimes there weren't. But I always liked it because... A, there was, everybody was always doing something new. Like, that's the part that I really liked about watching it. And then... It later became our rule in the Grolox. We always did new stuff every month, which was a great rule to have. And just to reward our audience who was coming every month. It was like, I can't, in good conscience, do the same jokes I did last month right. for these same people who are coming. So that was a fun rule. That was, yeah. that was one of my favorite sort aspects of, of the show. It's funny. But I think the, we were lucky. Oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead coming up in Denver in like the dive bar open mic scene is we just learned to always put on a show like what Ben was saying like yeah there might be like seven people there but you may as well put on a great show for them I, it, to this day it, it drives me crazy when I see a comic like shitting on a tiny attendance it's like yeah. well th- those are the people who actually came out like why are you punishing the people who actually came out they're as feeling as awkward as you are they're like did I just go make outside a and yell choice? at God like yeah. the rest of us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I may as well like incorporate the tiny crowd in and, and just still try to have fun some of my my favorite shows most memorable shows have been for 11 people in like a big room yeah Andrew's only performed for yeah 11. that's kind of my <laughs> that's actually how I sell myself now I'm like what's the turnout like oh sold out I wouldn't be your guy half dozen to Baker's is there a major local house. sports event the same night yes <laughs> I'm available and that's this is actually my stock and trade there's the Super Bowl that night yes I can headline <laughs> Uh, that reminded me of uh, there was a club in New York City called Comics with an yeah. X. Yeah, and I remember, I remember that there. well, they had a hard time drawing for certain people, and a couple weeks in a row, the headliner drew like fifty people. And one week, 
it was Marin, and Marin didn't take to it very well. And then another week, it was Todd Glass, and Todd just gathered the 20 people or so together and said, come all sit up in the front. I'm going to do a show just for you guys. It's and, awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing what you can conjure when, like, the odds are against you. It's like you can just kind of like, all right, this can be terrible, or we can just all agree it's not going to be terrible. That room was yeah. so cool for a little while. Yeah. Like, it, I, not not necessarily in its setup or how you it looked. You had your first Montreal edition there, right? No, mine was at Stand Up New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember else. seeing you audition at Creek in the Cave, too. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that was a while ago. You're, yeah, that was like five. You're climbing on chairs. And... Oh yeah. yeah, classic. Yeah, classic. classic. Ben. Uh, but I think like that, <laughs> the uh, the the comics one. I remember there was always good comics there. Yeah. Like for the most part, it was always like really cool people. They had good sense. Whoever booked it, like they were, they had good taste. I thought. I just love. <laughs> he just said. I just remembered you. You're like climbing on chairs. I just realized. You don't perform so much as it's like been escaped. <laughs> That's what I've been remembering. But it's great because you're, you're escaping the, up on that stage. The first then got out. show at Montreal, I did a like a hands like a headstand in somebody's lap. The first show, and they were like, "What the fuck?" It's awesome. But so Los Comicos ended in 2010. It did. And then was there is there a quick transition it was to like the Grolics? Like a one month rollover. Was no, it one month no, or two no. months. Boy, it was like six months eight months because I remember I, I was like alright it's time to do a show again and then I like we found the avenue and we like came up with the name but we, we took a break it was so fast no it wasn't it was like six or eight months huh. we, we had like a little fast. break I, re- I don't know how long it was well, the, the, ga- the art gallery spot caught on fire <laughs> not yeah. related to us at all really you have an alibi anyway and then we decided yeah then it became the Grolox and we had an actual real theater space and that was a it's kind of a different, yeah, different yeah. flavor overall. Once we moved into the bug, it changed. The show changed pretty dramatically at that point. It became much more organized. I felt like. Well, and also I think with the Grolics, like we, I think all three of us were drawn to each other because, like, whether there's eleven people or a hundred people, we all held ourselves to a pretty high standard. Mm-hmm. And then when we became the Grolics, it was kind of the point in all of our lives, just age-wise, where we're like, well, are we really doing comedy, or like, is this a hobby for everybody? And I think. For us three, it was very much like, no, 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 we're really doing comedy. This is my life goal. So we all just really kind of doubled down on work ethic and, and just putting on great shows. So was... Making videos. I was going to say, so the web series, what was... Was that the first thing that you guys decided to do to branch out? From? Uh, yeah, that was like right when web, we web making were popular. Yeah, we'd made a couple one-off sketches, but then we decided to do like a serial-style web series with the Knicks bros. Yeah, we met these we met the Knicks brothers who are just the best. Who are in town right now. Oh yeah, they're going to be there tonight. Directing uh, some episodes of that show Deadbeat. Okay. And uh, they we knew of them from this web series called Rainbow Chasers that we thought was really funny. It's like Storm Chasers, but they chase rainbows. And uh, we it was just done really well. They were you could tell that like they just had an aesthetic and they with nothing could make things look really nice, you know, and that's what we needed. We didn't really have much money to put into the production budget, so we we I think we did uh, the the Eradicaster, which was a video where like we eradicate podcasters, like this 
Edward R. Murrow zombie type character. And I just Should I be did, worried? No. Was, but, yeah. but it was like, but that was just a one-off thing. And then mm-hmm. we were like, we should do something serialized. And that's how the web series. Yeah. And where were the Nix brothers from? Denver. I mean, oh, they're, they're, okay. from, they're from Las Vegas, but they live in, lived in Denver. Okay. It was just one of those small, Denver's small enough that like, you, if you want to meet somebody in a certain field, it's pretty easy to do it. And you're kind of aware of who's out there making good things in the city. And so we knew of them and they knew of us and it worked out, worked out well. So I know you guys were on Funny or Die, or you were putting the videos up there. We were, yeah. How conscious a decision was it to decide where you wanted to go? Because as recently as a few years ago, there were competing platforms aside from YouTube. And we actually did terms of places put it on other platforms, too. We just plugged Funny or Die harder, because that was kind of the most fun platform. But the videos were on YouTube for a while. We had a YouTube channel. The Knicks Brothers had a lot of... Daily motion. Daily motion, college humor. There Josh, were other other places that they were up. They just weren't, we were just, because it's like, you can't plug all every platform right. to everyone, so we sort of just had to choose, like, what do we want? And Funny yeah. or Die being the most, like, comedy chic option. Totally. Uh, it was just like, that's the one yeah. I watched. But that actually was at, at the other ones, because you never know where people are going to find it. There people right. And Daily Motion supported us a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Like, they used to hype our stuff on their front page, and... But funny or die, we got to know them too. Like they would, they and would we wanted an exclusive. Our goal was at that time we were like, man, we want these videos to be like exclusive to funny or die, yeah, and like it's so bad. That was our goal, and and, and never happened. Never happened. <laughs> what well, happened? I, I think it never happened because we just kept giving them videos that were not exclusives, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, why? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these these, these we, dipshits are gonna give us the videos one way or the other. <laughs> it was we were never that calculated, honestly. Like mm-hmm. we just started making the videos, and like we liked Funny or Die, so we put them up on Funny or Die. Okay. But as soon as we started doing the Grawlix web series, it seemed like people in Hollywood started contacting us a little bit, and we're like, okay, well, even if this doesn't have the most views ever, it seems like we're getting the right eyes on this thing. So it just kind of snowballed. So yeah. you say there were wasn't very calculated so how did those who can't come about originally somebody saw episode three of our web series and messaged us this guy who had been an ep on a season of workaholics or something i don't remember yeah and uh he he was like have you guys thought about developing this as a tv show and so we started talking and it just kind of got like can we write a script about this so we wrote a script that was based on the web series and we pitched it and they were like we like the characters but nobody wants to see a show about a show which is ridiculous because there are so many all great the shows, shows. <laughs> yeah. but, but it'll uh, never work it'll never work Seinfeld 30 Rock <laughs> 30 Rock Larry Sanders yeah. but comedian. we were like we didn't know so Adam had written a script called Those Who Can't about about him you being a teacher yeah yeah and he was like well what about a, these characters in a school and we liked the name and so that's just kind of how it came about yeah and then uh, we wrote a script and pitched it it's actually based on a movie that I wrote I think you guys are misremembering it <laughs> <laughs> and then some interview that's what was said and we're like where did mis- that come it from was it was called mis- the paper chase it was yeah. <laughs> it was all Andrew. Yeah, but, just this movie script I kept in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> he'd take it around and put it in every. Which is bizarre because that was never. We never sent that. Anymore. Yeah. So um, so those who can't falls into this new category or recent trend of shows that almost got made somewhere and then didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then 
resurfaced cool, and, and, though, and actually survived. What, what is another genre Like Broad category? City. Yeah. Oh, really? Broad City was supposed to be on FX. Oh, yeah, I, didn't I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Mad Men got shelved for nine years. We're kind of a Mad Men. We're, yeah. we're less Broad City, more <laughs> Mad Men. <laughs> Have you seen Ben's hair? Come on. <laughs> so, so when Amazon... You know, well, but Amazon's different because you could see the pilot process that was publicly. Honestly, that was a rare. Yeah, that was a that just rare gift out of it. The amount of people that saw that pilot that nobody ever sees pilots. Yeah, that's and, how we ended up getting this. An exec at True, his girlfriend saw our show on Amazon, showed it to him. He liked it. Later down the road, when True was like, "Hey, we're gonna be uh, rebranding and coming up with new programming," that's when. They hit us up, so they really did. It was a ripple off of off of that. Just this dude's girlfriend happened to see it on Amazon. It's funny how people think they saw the they saw the pilot on Amazon. I've spoken with people, and they think they've seen like a whole season of the show. They're like, "Oh yeah, no, I watched your show." I was like, "Oh, you saw the Amazon pilot?" They're like, "Oh, I saw like that whole first season." I'm like, that, "No, that's impossible." Cause it's, yeah, yeah, it's never out. They they ordered more scripts, so people think that it died right. right there. But we had we had written six more episodes for them. And then they were like, oh, we want to win Golden Globes and all kinds of awards. We don't <laughs> want to work with you guys. Yeah, they wanted to go in like a more HBO. Which worked for them. Which, with, did, which they did. And with then transparent. Yeah. Was, and they went, that was immediately what they did after that was, was like transparent. They, they kept Alpha House. I think they canned betas. Yeah. And then they, and then they moved with transparent. And it, they wanted to do the thing with like big name people. I mean, Jeff Bezos has more money than anybody so right. it it was it was cool though because so many meetings that we took people would be like oh i saw the pilot not many people ever get that opportunity yeah exactly most pilots are all behind closed doors and so they're like i heard you had a pilot how was that this one people really got to see it and we did it so homegrown that once the word got out like these three dummies and their friends made this for a shoe What we later found out was like, yeah, a lunch We thought budget. it was a lot. We were like, yeah, what? Yeah, craft services budget. dollars like, it was, We and were then, like, Gloom. And totally. then later down the road, we're like, oh, that was actually a pretty good deal for a TV show. Um, but it was cool because I think it, was, it, it gave us, we, it was no money, but we made that pilot for cheap and at what had been the most money we'd ever seen at the time. But they left us alone. We filmed it in Denver, and I think the first thing anybody in the world saw of us was uniquely our aesthetic and like just what we wanted to make, with right. no one telling us how to make it. Uh, so I think that was like a lucky opportunity too. Like our first little footprint in the world of entertainment was unique to us. So that was that was a yeah. good a good advantage. I think. Yeah, there was we no were, oversight. We were actually working on it as a feature idea after the Amazon thing all dried up and blew away. We were like. Uh, like let's just make it as like a feature and so we were really charging in that direction and that's when True came along yeah sort of right at that time so you were thinking more movie and less pitching it to other networks we pitched we'd around pitch, yeah we pitched it just, and everyone was like it, it would always Maybe. it never really died mm -hmm. it just kind of like we, we'd keep floating from it and like people would be like oh we want to pitch it here pitch it here and meanwhile we were like we really thought it was going to get picked up so we were all a little like heartbroken and we were kind of just like I can't keep doing this those who can't thing. Like, it was just like, <laughs> and the having, girl, you can't quit. Having uh, written the six other episodes, we built out the world to a degree where we were like, we could make a movie out of this really easily, like, and it would be really fun. We've already got the characters in the world and everything, so we were, uh, yeah. we were, we were but going in that direction. By the time true, the true opportunity came around, we 
we were like ready to go. <laughs> we knew this world well, and, uh-huh. and so were they. Holy cow! Yeah. So in that in between period, though, between Amazon passing and True TV picking it up, which is like you... two years. Was it that long? It's like a year and a half. It's a year and a half. Yeah. So how did you guys hold up psychologically in terms of oh, when it, keeping when it your done, ambitions they, going? I don't know it. about you guys, but I just I was in the grocery store when they canceled it, <laughs> and I had my basket, and Josh called. And he's like, I got the other two guys, and I'm just, like, shopping. And he's like, so it's done. They pulled yeah. the plug on it. And I was like, but I'm at the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> I think I was driving. It was kind of, like, softer landing because they, they... They'd start are, talking to us. Yeah, well, well the pilot... <laughs> they ghosted the pilot you? did really well, and it, like, outscored the other ones. But then they right. didn't green light it, and we're like, well, that's weird because right. this was supposed to be a contest where the best got chosen, and ours seemed to be the best, and yet it didn't get chosen and so they were like well instead we're buying six scripts we're like okay that's still good news not the best news and then like we wrote the six scripts and then it just got quieter and quieter quieter. (laughs) so it was definitely i mean it was it's still like the writing was on the wall we were still being hopeful but by that point it would it yeah it seemed like enough time had gone by honestly like but to answer your earlier question all three of us have solo comedy careers as well as performing as a group so I think we all just like hit the stand up hard again and I, we're, we're pretty resilient and we're pretty like cynical and we know we, we, we kind of get that Hollywood's a lot of no's before you get a yes so I think it sucked but it had been enough of a taste for three guys from Denver where we got paid to write scripts and people saw our thing nationally like free education that it was, it was if anything it was encouraging we were just like well that was a really it was a swing and a miss, but man, what a great first swing. It was first, first swing. swing, too. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess just the decision, especially since you were still based in Denver at the time, the decision to stick together as a group rather than just split up and go your solo ways. Which we still do. Like, we've all always been good at. Yeah, I mean, he's on the road doing stuff. his own stand up stuff. So, same here. He, he writes and does stand up on. I mean, there's other things that we all work on. I mean, I, I feel like I'm always talking to Andrew, and Andrew's got something he's working on, and you're always out doing shows somewhere and writing something. I mean, I feel like everybody's got their, I'm doing the band and stand-up, and so we, we definitely, but working with these guys, no yeah. copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> but working with these guys is really easy, surprisingly, and I'm not just saying that to like hold some image of it. It's, you know, we get sick of each other the same way anybody would if you're trapped in a room writing for a little bit of time mm-hmm. but it never results in screaming matches there's not like we have a majority vote the biggest you know, fight we got into Rob writing the season was over the spelling of badonk Ben's <laughs> <laughs> wearing these badonk which I won I won the badonk. fight you won wait, so, what, yeah. you wait, right. so what is the spelling then so there are these fictional <laughs> jeans badonks and it Ben got... and I wanted B U H hyphen D O N K. We went to the dunk. dunk. And Adam staunchly, usually it's a Grolix two thirds vote wins. This is a very rare case where Adam fiercely held to B A D O N K. The correct spelling. And it, and it got heated to yeah. the point of like, well, it's my joke, so I'll remember, take it out of the That's what I said because I had like decided I wanted the, the jeans would be called Badonks. And then once the argument and the, the words started, I was like, well, it was my joke. And Ben's like, oh, so we're proprietary <laughs> yeah, exactly. about jokes now in the writer's room. And I was like, we are if you're going to take it down Badonk lane. It's and funny. It's laughing it all childish. the things that you could fight over. The phonetic spelling of even, fictional Even during production, the jeans. biggest argument on set throughout that whole time was when I, I accidentally 
really hit him pretty hard with a fake oh, yeah, EpiPen. Yeah, on the knee. With a fake EpiPen, and it got... He's people like, still thought we were just... They thought it was a bit. We started yelling at each other. It was, like, it was actually the eighth stunt Ben had not pulled appropriately. And, and I was like, God damn it! Like, God damn it, so you're not bad. even on fucking camera! Yeah, I was like, you're not even in the scene, and you're hitting me with this fucking plastic pen. <laughs> but people thought we were like, they were like, oh, are you guys doing a bit? And I was like, no, we're not doing a fucking bit! <laughs> it hurts, I got a bruise! But it ended up, I mean, that's the worst it's it like got. Sim- it's definitely like siblings. <laughs> it freezes over really fast. And how, I know, I know Adam is heavily involved with the festival. Mm-hmm. How, how much did the two of you involved in that? Nothing. That, we just do it. Yeah. I just go and do sets. I don't want to ever so, have to put a festival together. So the, yeah, so what made you decide to do a High Plains comedy festival? Um, well, it, I, I think it was just kind of like, I, there were, Denver's such a good scene, I thought it, it deserves a good festival. And so that was it. So I just wanted to like shine the light on Denver and how many great comedians are there. And it's worked, I think. I think, you know, in year three, there's, like, a ton of industry coming. And we've had cool opportunities. But we're all, everyone thinks we're, like, Denver, Denver. And we made, we made it from Denver, which ostensibly we did. But Ben and Andrew and I have spent as much time in New York or L.A. as, as a, most comedians. But a lot of the guys in Denver, you know, don't have the means or whatever to do it. So I was just right. thinking, if once a year I could, the industry could come to Denver, that would be great. How hard was it to find the right time of year to do it now that there's every so festival. many festivals i know uh you know there's 10 new festivals every year at this point but it wasn't that hard i just kind of was like all right just space it out far enough from bridgetown which i've just modeled it completely after bridgetown okay just wanted it to be a bridgetown Showcases denver in the summer which is denver yeah denver in the time. summer rules bridgetown is so awesome as a festival and it and and what you did with it what you did with high plains i think it's you know was like Bridgetown a few years ago or four or five years ago where it has I think so and Charlene Conley who runs Bridgetown now helps with High Plains okay so there's a detente between Portland and Denver when it it comes to comedy basketball might be another it more felt like when you would go to Bridgetown that you were going to like comedy summer camp you know you're just going to hang out and and it was like just more about fun and everybody would kind of just you'd see people doing the most bizarre things on stage and really like letting loose and I think that that's what High Plains kind of felt like it feels like that every year you want to recharge all the comedians batteries because most comics are doing it out of their pocket they're losing money to come do it more in most cases not anymore bro that's not at High Plains (laughs) (laughs) that's a bad game it recharges their batteries um, What's your money back? But I remember the first time I went to Portland, there was all these LA people there, and agents and managers and stuff, and at the time that mattered a lot to me because I wanted to get signed. Yeah. And uh, and I remember they were all raving about Portland, and I thought, yeah, they're good, but like Denver's just as good, and it made me jealous. I was like, all these people are coming to like look at this crop of Portland comics, in addition to having corporate write-offs for right. them to get drunk in Portland. I, I realize how it works now. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> I thought, why not Denver? We're just as good. Right, and now so, you can smoke weed legally there. Yeah, so, so that, that oh helped. God, that helped. All oh, the people just yeah. over two, and The vibing. first two years of High Plains in a row, the headliner couldn't handle uh, the weed and, <laughs> and the performance, which, yeah. Now, and as we saw, Ralphie May had kind of the same thing, it sounded like, too. Like, although he vehemently denies it. It's, <gasps> it's scandaloso. 
Uh, now, do I know you? I know you ended up filming a lot of the series in L.A. Yeah. Are you guys by not by coastal? Are you curious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys? Are you, are, you, are you guys in L.A. now, or are you, are you all still live in Denver? Ben lives in L.A. I'll I'll speak for Ben. Ben lives in L.A. I'll speak for Andrew. Andrew lives in Denver. Ben, will you speak for me? Adam lives in Denver as well. Okay. In the Baker neighborhood. Uh, (laughs) Look him up. In the historic Baker neighborhood. So what, what I usually close by asking comedians for, for advice that they would give. Specifically for you guys, what would you tell comedians who are outside of New York and L.A. who are who are trying to make it work, either individually or as a collective. I don't know, why don't you, let's just go around. Like, I think we all probably have takes on that. I think, I mean, it's almost different, like as a collective, I guess it's the same advice. You would yeah. just be really patient and just keep working hard, like, and you don't. Like when we started Las Comicos at that bar, it was for the love of doing the show, there was no, and when there were six people there, we were like, oh well, you know, but we had fun doing it. And then when we, you know, when it became Las Comicos, again, it was, we just wanted to put on a great show. We happened to have a special guest. That was great. It was always just been about, like, putting on a great show. And and if there is an opportunity on the horizon, just being really patient with it. Because, like, you just, it can take, it could take years for that opportunity to, to finally materialize. It could never happen. I don't know. I think people... They look, they're always like imagining a finish line, and there is no like actual finish line. So you just gotta have a nice pace and keep. Um, I don't know. I tell everybody this. There's always so many different things people have already said, but I tell everybody the same thing whenever they ask that, which is don't listen to anybody. There's no right or wrong listen way to me. with I, it. My advice was <laughs> no, I mean, like, don't listen to people who tell you there's a right and wrong way to do this. Because right. if we had listened, you know, people were like, you have to be in LA, but we didn't do it to like hold a middle finger to anybody. We didn't hate people who moved there. We just, for whatever reason, whether it was family or kids or finances, we just couldn't make that leap. Um, so we just had to figure out a different way to do it. There's no right or wrong way. It just, you know, do like try things. I, I Especially would say. in today's digital age, yeah. like there's, you can, if you're going to make funny shit, you can truly do it from anywhere. If you want to put in the work and the effort. Yeah, yeah. I think also though, like, like I was saying earlier, like we've did it all from Denver. We were proud of our scene, but it really helped having Andrew live in LA for a while, having Ben go out, having me go out. It's like I tell young comics, I was like, save some money and take strategic trips to New York and LA. Get yourself seen, because they're not coming to Des Moines to watch you. Like, go, go get yourself seen, then go back to your scene and work really hard. But don't be dumb and just think that they're going to pluck you out of the ether because you're the golden boy. It's like, go play the game smart and be seen in both coasts and then go back and continue to get better at your craft. Like, yeah. that's, that's... It's almost all. better that way because you can get spots when you're, like, an out-of-town guest. Totally, totally. <laughs> you can, I remember I would do shows in L.A. when I would just be visiting people like, I've, I've lived in L.A. for, like, four years. I can't get booked on that show. You're just visiting from Denver. You get on. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, congratulations for doing it your way and your voice and getting those who can't on True TV. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks Thank to everybody watching. Hey, thanks for sitting uh, those down with us today, huh? February. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. 
Theme music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.